Hi everyone, Hi. welcome to another episode of Getting Naked with Happiness. I have a co-host now, and that is Jaycia. <laughs> Hi. And we decided to do this together due to uh, COVID-19 situation. So we want to lift up the spirit and inject hopes and resilience so that we can be more upbeat, and especially during these times of anxiety and stress. I think a lot of people um, talk about relationships in this time. Mm. And uh, that's why we decided on today's topic. Yep. So today's topic, I mean, we went through a lot of permutations actually to decide how to title it. Because a lot of what I, I wanted to title it, like, why are you still unhappy or unhappy? Mm. I mean, it is pretty strong, but I feel like because relationships make up so much a big part of our happiness, that it is really quite devastating when you're in a relationship that is not uh, empowering or loving or makes you feel loved. It can be really, really quite upsetting. Right. So then, I mean... We decided to ask because um, the big question is, is your relationship bad for you? And I think when we, when we started talking about this, definitely I, we definitely talked about it in the sense of a romantic relationship. But this could also, uh, even as we talk about it, you could think about this in terms of like your relationship with your parents or with your siblings or with a close friend. I mean, obviously, it's someone close. If not, it wouldn't really affect you. So yeah, even though we're talking about it for just for convenience sake, uh, in terms of a real romantic relationship, please do consider it uh, all the relationships in your life and yep. see if your relationship is bad for you or not. Okay, let's get into it. I think this is a topic close to my heart that I thought would be great to talk about. Mm. Uh, also because I have myself been in relationships that were not great or actually to put it quite bluntly were quite bad for me. Mm. Right, so I think Stefan also mentioned that he wanted to talk about relationship abuse like physical abuse. Uh, I think just for the sake of this talk, we'll talk about emotional abuse. Uh, because I think it's actually, it's same but it's different. Yeah. And in this case, is your relationship bad for you? Because it's a bit harder to spot emotional abuse. Physical abuse, unfortunately, you have, it's quite obvious, like you have bruises and scratches and gashes. Right? So I think, uh, Stefan, maybe you can bring us through what are some of the effects of emotional abuse? Well the uh, two layers of abuse, emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. The first one is a more obvious one that you can pin down to a behavior, pin down to the action. Whereas the uh, another one that is much more insidious, which is much more, and you can't really pay attention to it, but you know that it is happening or you suspect that that is happening, right? So the effects of emotional abuse, they may not be limited to what I'm going to share next, but these are yep. some of the warning signs or what are the effects of it. The first one would be um, loss of personal freedom. That is a one mm. of the indicative. And maybe their personal boundaries has been um, always overstepped, the personal boundaries. And they feel the effects also would be they feel that they are on an emotional roller coaster ride, a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Highs could be a lot of happiness, they experience joy or love. Then immediately there will be a dip of anger, confusion, uncertainty, or, or sadness. Yeah, so it's a lot of highs and lows. And they may constantly feel stuck in a position in a relationship. Or maybe that some of them may have illusion that they are very happy. They, 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 tell, they, tell, they are reminding themselves that they are happy or they think that they want to be happy. But deep down inside, they feel this distaste of unhappiness. Yeah. Um, another effect of emotional abuse is that they, bring out, they may bring out the worst of each other. They trigger okay. each other they, yeah, in terms of their attitudes towards each other. They undermine each other or even, yeah. So these are the parts of the effects of uh, emotional abuse. I mean, I definitely feel like uh, it's relatable to one relationship that I've been in where 
I definitely felt the loss of freedom. For example, mm. like uh, my uh, this previous partner uh, didn't like me keeping in contact with certain friends. One of whom is like is a childhood friend, uh, a guy that I grew up with. You know, we've been friends for so many years, and in fact, this guy actually at that point was going out with one of my good friends. Mm. So we are really just platonic friends, but he had a lot of issue with this guy. So I felt like I couldn't see him without angering my partner then, and I guess that's one of the the feelings that I got. Like I was like, I mean, to me, it's like really very innocuous when I met up with this friend. We're just, you know, we mostly do sports or just do fun stuff, but. Yeah, that partner didn't really. He 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 wouldn't have any of it, lah. Mm. So I think it's good that you bring us through. Maybe you can bring us through some um, signs of an abusive relationship because, uh, from what I understand, um, that uh, a, a abusive a relationship can run a whole gamut of like something as innocuous as like say silent treatment. Yeah. To well, I mean, if we're going to talk about all the way to like physical abuse to being like slapped across the face. Right, that's all abuse. Uh, yep. But let's talk about maybe more covert emotional abuse for this mm. session because we are trying to un- uh, answer the question like, is your relationship bad for you? So okay. maybe uh, you can bring us through like a list. It obviously will not be a conclusive list, but just a list of some things that you look out for so that, you know, if we're experiencing these in our relationship, we can like basically see a red flag and, and decide whether we are in an abusive relationship or not. Yeah, you know, when you talk about the word red flag, it immediately stood out to me because when the person is in an emotional abusive relationship, red flags and any yellow or orange flags are also indicative. <laughs> yeah, so this okay. is the first part. Also, you don't have to wait like for a red flag, like even an orange. Okay. Yeah, uh, we'll go a bit deeper into that. And when we talk about the signs of emotional abuse, there are so many as what you have said is we are unable to cover all. Yeah, because yeah. there are more than 50, 60 over of them, but today we just cover a, a little bit for awareness. Yeah. Number one will be having arguments, but having extended arguments. Okay. The arguments okay. keep coming back and they are extended. And the other one would be having a lot of emotional threats. It could be indirect or direct threats. Uh, it could be also digital stalking, like the abuser will stalk the... Uh, I mean, one of the signs that teachers are talking, they will stop what you're doing online, who are you talking to, what do you post? And then the other one would be humiliation. Humiliation is much more common. And this humiliation can come in the form of contempt or sarcasm, like putting, saying something bad about, uh, if let's say I'm gonna use the context of you and me, so, so mm-hmm. let's say that I'm the abuser, I'll put you down by being sarcastic about your friends, about what you've done, or can say contempt about other people or friends that you hang out with or your family members. And fault finding is also another big one. Um, of course, the more extreme emotional abuse could be uh, exhibited with violence or acts of violence, not necessarily causing physical damage, but psychological damage, like sudden rage or, or from sudden rage or suddenly they can just walk out of a, a chat of a talk yeah. To leave you hanging, not sure, like not sure what you've done. So there's a lot. So, of so even if they don't like physically hit you, you're saying like if let's say they like show some sort of violence in terms of maybe they take a vase and they throw it against a wall. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt you at all, but it's it's scary, right? Like honestly, I find that quite scary, like to be in a room with someone did that. Yeah, or they punch the wall, or yeah. they start sh- yeah. uh, shouting at something, you know, to exhibit okay. this sort of violence. But not towards you, but to intimidate you in some ways. Okay, 
Yeah. Or because maybe the person cannot hold on to their anger, they do not know, right? They're just being very reactive. Mm. And at the same time, um, they lying. Lying is one of the uh, most uh, common ones. Lying and manipulation. So an extreme jealousy also. Extreme jealousy and hypersensitivity. Yeah. And when you talk about what you shared earlier about your past relationship, something came out was social isolation. They were trying to isolate you from your friends or isolate you from your family members. Or yeah, yeah they'll come between your family or your friends. And yeah, another- I remember one in one fight where like I think I wanted to leave and then like he actually like blocked the door and said no you because I was obviously gonna run to go to my mom's and then he was like, No, you're not going. Yes. And, yeah. So I think yes. that was to me like a real red flag. That was the first red flag that I was like, whoa, that's quite hardcore to not let me go and you know, mm. my Yeah, that's under control and dominance. Um and uh, that is a big, big indicator. And the others will be followed up by manipulation, lying and control. Mm. Sometimes they may even say things like, um, well, no, I didn't just think about you this way. Everybody else think about you this way. So they'll quote everybody else. Yeah. Uh, assuming that he, he or she has spoken to everyone. And yeah. at the same time... Can you give they, an example of something that they might say in this context? Like uh, something bad, like, I suppose, right? Mm, so they... Well, this one of those things that they do is called character assassination. So they either assassinate your character, you as a person, or your close one. So they may say things like indirectly to you, that, you know what, I think that... I don't know why every time you do this, you just don't get it right. How many times have I explained to you already? You know... <sighs> You know, and then at the same time, they will say things like, everyone also think this way, not just me. Mm, okay. This is just a stark example. Yeah. yeah. In different forms, it could be. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes in terms of humiliation, they don't only correct, um, they may humiliate you in front of your friends, like very subtly, like, why are you so dumb? Why are you so slow? Why you always forget? Why are you so forgetful? But I still love you. Uh, that is ah. a <laughs> very, okay. very strong indicative. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And there will be another uh, more obvious one is humiliation. They humiliate you, uh, then you get offended. Then they, they recover by saying, hey, how come, I'm just making a joke. Why do you take it so personally? I'm just being humorous. You have no sense of humor. Also, they put you down and then they say you have no sense of humor. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So it becomes always your fault, you know. Or like, and, why are you so sensitive? Yeah, why are you so sensitive? Exactly. Ah, okay. Extreme. Okay. And of course, um, maybe I go down to the final three, which is a major ones, which is very obvious, okay. is guilt tripping. Mm. They will always try to elicit guilt. So, so for example, that if you want to go out to hang out with your friends or your family or whichever, they may say something like, oh, okay, if you go out, then who will take care of the children? Oh, or okay. if you go out, then I won't, then what about me? Like in different forms of examples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you go for if you go here to do this, then I'll be left all alone. Yeah. Okay. So basically, game, right? making you feel really terrible and really guilty, and maybe you you just plan to go out for lunch with your friends, but it became like such a big thing. Yeah. So okay. so you always feel guilty, right? And okay. someone someone says, um, I'm just looking at Instagram live now. Yes. Someone says, sounds like gaslighting. So I've heard this term before. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I think gaslighting is slightly different, right? Yeah. So guilt tripping, gaslighting, and love bombing are the major ones. So okay. this person said currently gaslighting. So gaslighting, let's talk about gaslighting first. Okay. Is um, the abuser will 
make you question about your reality, like things that you have said, and make you question yourself. And it's a part, it's a part of a confusion technique to distract you. You know, okay. so when you confront the person, they may say something else totally, or they say things that I didn't say that I didn't I didn't mean that way. I think you you, you remember wrongly, or it could be things. So you always make you doubt yourself. Oh right? my gosh, I've definitely been in this situation. Yeah, when I said something, and to me it's like I don't have the best memory, but if I remember something, then I'll say like, yeah, no, this really happened. And so this person was like, no, what are you talking about? It never happened. Until I thought I was going crazy. Like I literally thought I was going crazy. So I remember calling my best friend. I was like. I told you this happened, right? And I was really upset about it. She's like, yeah, I said, how come he's saying that it never happened? That's gaslighting, right? Yes. Great. Uh, Jay, thanks for the example. You just said something. You makes me feel, you makes me think that I'm going crazy. That is a strong I really, indicator. Yeah, I really, I really felt like I was going crazy because yeah. I was like, I mean, I, do, I remember like this, this, this happened. And then when I asked him about it, he's like, no, it never happened. I was like, mm. huh? mm. yeah. It was like, it was like almost like an outright lie, but I was like, how is it possible that you would alright lie so blatantly about something like that and I think like um, at this time this is like quite some time ago I went to Google and I found out gaslighting actually um, this is a fun fact like, okay because this helped me to understand the term a bit better I found out that it originated from this movie like I forgot the name of the movie okay. but it's this movie where um, this guy was trying to get the fortune of this lady his, his partner or something right his wife his wife yeah so mm. he wanted uh, to get her fortune by making her think she was crazy. So what he would do is, this, this is like said like in a long time ago, so at that time they used gas lights. So he would turn the lights down low so that the whole house looks really dim. And then she would say to him like, eh, are our lights working? Like, is it just me or is the house really dim? And then he would say, no, it's very bright. And then so she would think she's going crazy. I think so. I think that's why I read yes. the movie and I don't know whether eventually she said she needed to go to an asylum or he put her in a, an asylum and he got all her money. But it was quite chilling like, okay, to think that someone would do that. But then this is kind of like the same, right? Because I remember like my example is yeah, quarreling with this person about something that I'm quite sure was with him and I was so upset about it. And then later on when I brought it up, not to quarrel, but just brought it up, he was like, huh? What? No, that never happened. And I was like, huh? Mm. And yeah, I felt like I was going crazy. So that's yeah. gaslighting, right? When you when you feel like, am I going crazy? Yeah. Okay. It is it is gaslighting, definitely. Um it's I think horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's just part of um, you know, relationships that we, we go through. And sometimes many of these people when they gaslight, they are not aware that they are doing so also. But the one indicator of lying and manipulation for gaslighting is there are two extreme behaviors, right? One is they have very shifty eyes, they will have loose eye contact. And also come yeah. in a form of like disappointment. Hey, what don't you remember about this? I'm so disappointed. So yeah. they will like look away. I don't want to talk about it. And the other type is that they will just stare right at you. Don't you remember? This is not what I say. You remember wrongly. And you can see it's such confidence. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the one that I experienced. I experienced the second one. Because, okay, so one thing about lying is right. Those uh, great liars, they don't look away. They will look at you. It's because yeah. that they want to know where the lies is it effect the lie is effective or not? So they want to look at your micro expressions. Okay. So they'll look at you to see whether there is a life, a lie, a successful one, or they need to come up for another, a second one to make up for the first one. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So 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 the the 
the three that are the most the biggest ones, right? We've gone through guilt tripping, gaslighting, and then the last one is oh, the love. The last one is called love bombing, right? Okay. Love bombing. Imagine that there's a plane that flies past and it drops love, and then you receive a lot of love, which means that the abuser, so-called, let's say let's you abuser, will display a lot of affection, giving you gifts, praising you, um, planning future stuff, doing stuff. Which, which is, you think that is great because you feel loved and appreciated, yeah. but it's also suffocating at the same time. Isn't that though, sorry, just, just to be provocative, right? Isn't that how uh, guys generally chase girls? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> according to tradition, right? Yeah. I mean, okay, not all guys. But I think like, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm going back to this same person that, that I'm actually talking about that I think was gaslighting me. He yeah. also used to do stuff like that, which I guess now I, I know is love bombing, mm. where it's like, it's quite... Um, I guess the chasing was at another level, lah, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like really like bomb. I mean, it, it feels nice when that's happening, but... Yeah. But the effects of love bomb... Yeah. The, the, why is it bad? Because love bombing is just the first part. You receive the bomb. You feel good. You feel appreciated. You feel so yeah. loved. And you will start to think that, oh, this person is such a wonderful person. I'm the luckiest person on earth. I've never really suffered such a treatment before. Yeah. But when we go back to the emotional roller coaster, right? It is mm-hmm. during the high time. Once it yeah. goes down, this person will use this love bomb uh, for us to say that, you know, I've done all these things for you. Why don't you appreciate me? Oh, okay, okay. They so it's like they're keeping score. Keeping score, counting tap. Okay. So it has become very conditional. And then you start to feel guilty. Yeah, this person really is really good for me, right? Because he's done all this stuff for me or she's done all this stuff for me. There's no reason for to me to find him or her being a bad person. So I may be, I must be wrong. So this love bombing mm. is a very um, important uh, technique in manipulation. Yeah, for love okay. bombing. Okay, so I, 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 I hear you. And like, yeah. I think I get the, like, these are some of the, I guess, the science of an abusive relationship. But mm. I, and I have definitely gone through some. I'm mostly with this one person that I have spoken about, right? But when does it count as abuse? Like, when does it cross the line? You know, mm. because, for example, like I said, like, love bombing is also a way that, honestly, a lot of guys choose to chase girls, mm. right? Like, I mean, everyone, I guess, I'm not a guy, but I mean, I have been, like, like guys who have tried to chase me, they, some of them have used this sort of method where they just go all out. When mm. it, does it cross from like going all out to like it being like love bombing, for example? And okay. when does it be like, oh, I really am quite sad that you're going out for lunch because mm. I thought we were going to have lunch together with the kids. When does it cross the line into like guilt tripping? And when should we start to like say like, okay, this is a red flag. We, sh- we need to do something about it. Okay. Um, based on this, let me go a bit deeper into love bombing. Love bombing yeah. between, let's say, two a couple, right? They have, when they spend time together, or when they're apart, when they're apart, they have me time. So because of the abuser who are more highly insecure, they'll be thinking yeah. about, is this person thinking about me? Is this person missing me? So they will love bomb in order not to, to, in, in, to intrude into their personal space using good reasons. So that the person will think about me or think about him or her, right? So this yeah. is a one indicator of love bombing and how is it different from just chasing blindly or like doing a pursuit, romantic pursuit. Yeah. And... Um, you're asking about what are the red flags or where do we cross the line? Yeah, okay, because uh, I mean, I, I see this list and I'm sure like, actually, to be honest, like I'm getting quite a lot of messages um, mm. from people saying like, I've experienced this before. And you know, so how do you, when do you know that it's kind of like cross that line where, you know, sometimes couples will quarrel and like mm. we're all guilty of being like a bit, 
like maybe overly possessive or maybe overly bad tempered or whatever. Mm. So when does it cross the line into it being abusive? Um, okay, I will think Are there that... signs? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I always quickly say that I do not want to quickly label the person to be abusive or toxic but sometimes when two person come together they bring out the worst of each other it is just a toxic relationship on its own right maybe it's not a match that's number one so what are the signs right is that when as a victim let me call it as an abuser as a victim as a yeah. victim you start to think you start to worry a lot about your relationship you start to think okay. that whether you're good enough or you start to think about whether how the other person will react there's a lot of self-censorship going on um, if you imagine that we have a lot of eight shelves under the floor, there's this great book called Stop Walking on Eight Shelves. It's mm -hmm. whereby you have to tiptoe around your partner so that you will not trigger your partner's jealousy or sensitivity or anger. That is a one big, uh, this is where you have crossed your line, definitely. Okay. You cannot be yourself and when you do not have personal boundaries. But yeah. you, I guess when you constantly feel uh, inferior or you feel mm. like not good enough, I think... Um, someone that said like I had a girlfriend who would purposely put me down in front of others and then act like she is concerned oh my god there is a term there is a term <laughs> and I, I think uh, that would be like a, a red flag or a sign that you should start to realise that something is wrong that yeah. your partner is putting you down constantly worse yeah. putting you down in front of other people I really think that's not acceptable uh, and mm. I guess when you, like what Stephanie was saying, like when you start to self-doubt, you start to self-isolate, you know, when you start to find faults, or rather when mm. your partner starts to find fault with all of your friends. And mm. I think the eggshells thing is like when you feel, um, when you feel anxious about yourself all the time. I'm also sharing these are feelings that I felt when I was in that relationship. I felt anxious like in general, like you're right, like I feel like I'm walking on landmines. And mm. um, I mean, nobody wants their partner to be upset. I think that's normal. Everyone wants their partner to be happy. But I think in that particular relationship, I felt like if I were unhappy about anything, I couldn't mm. say it. If I brought up like, hey, I feel a bit uncomfortable with you like talking to this girl, like I would mm. just get shouted at. So I would just try to, I guess, deal with it. But it was, it was horrible because like, a lot of things I, I felt like I couldn't say. And I guess that's one of the signs of an abusive relationship. Yeah. And yeah. Um, if I could add just one more is, Remember, we chat earlier about there are two layers of emotional abuse, right? Or abusive relationship. The other one is more insidious and not so obvious. Um, so the person may feel happy and excited and feel feel a lot of love with the uh, in the relationship. Okay. Yeah. But deep down inside in their gut, right, they have this underlying fear lurking around. Yeah. And there's yeah. yeah fear of that they don't feel they don't feel safe. In a relationship, there's a there's lack of a psychological safety. Safe as in they think the partner's gonna leave them, or safe as in they think they're gonna get hit. Safe. They not safe in terms of not being able to be themselves. Oh, okay, okay. Not safe that thinking that the partner may leave them also, or yeah. they are not able to. They will do things that they may upset the partner. Okay. Yeah, I think I think that's maybe that's why you use the word safe because that's generally how I remember feeling. Like, I couldn't bring things up because I'm a very direct person. So if I'm unhappy or upset for something, I would usually like be able to say it. And mm. I think in that particular relationship, I felt like I couldn't say a lot of things. You know, because after that he would like get angry and to me it's like Wah. then I say already that I'm upset already, then in the end I get upset and shouted at, like there's no point. Yeah. Right. I think the next question that we're getting, uh yes. hi Liu Ying, by the way. <laughs> 
Hello. And she's Hello. she's asking how to help family yeah. and friends get out of such a relationship. You know, I, I think that's the, the biggest question. Like I, I feel like for myself, I eventually got out only I mean I there were all these signs like what we're talking about, which is why um today's topic was chosen because I feel like sometimes we don't realize that we're going through it. Like yeah. emotionally, I was going through all this, but I was like, you know, I, I think I can tahan, I can tahan until like I think one night when I went out with my friends and he was very unhappy about it, then he like took me by the shoulders and he shook me. He shouted at my face and it, because it was almost, it, it kind of crossed over into the physical. Like he didn't mm. hit me, but it was like quite physically violent. I feel like unnecessarily so. Mm. And then I was like, okay, there is a problem. Right. Mm. And, and Leo, you're right. Sometimes you're so blinded. So, I mean, yeah. I think up to that point, I was still blinded, but I was so scared of getting hit yeah. that I, I managed to, to leave. But I think not everybody has that sort of, I consider myself lucky because sometimes maybe you just get hit first. Or worse, there is no physical violence, and then you, you just wonder why you're unhappy all the time. Because I yeah. think at that period, I just asked myself, why am I unhappy all the time? Mm. Which was also like one of the reasons. I mean, I wanted to title this talk like, why are you always unhappy? Because I feel like if you're in a in a bad or toxic relationship, you will generally feel quite unhappy all the time. Like even there'll be some good times, but more more often than not, you feel like you're unsafe or you feel upset, or you just feel unhappy all the time. Right? So the yeah. question is, yeah, what are some concrete steps that maybe we can do to help mm. ourselves, and maybe we can share so that if you have a friend or family member who's going through something like that, you can suggest some of these to help them as well. Okay, I think we can talk about uh, helping oneself first before we talk about yeah. helping a friend, right? Yeah. Um, talking, helping oneself first is... Number one, to have the awareness and acceptance that these abuse is not your responsibility. Okay. okay? You don't need to change the other person. You, this, you don't need to accept this in your life. It's, this is not yours. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is very important. Don't take the ownership of this abuse. That is very important, number one. Right? Okay. Uh, number two is if you tend to be a more forgiving, understanding, optimistic individual, you are a target of people who are abusive, okay. right? Yeah. And when you're much more optimistic, it means that you're much more forgiving. You will tend to forget mm. things. So one good way is write a journal, write a journal and record any negative quarrels or events that you went through with the person. Mm. And when you're upset and everything, what, it could be a conversation, it could be a quarrel, just write everything down and just leave it. Then after a while, revisit them again and see whether is there a certain pattern recurring pattern because people in this relationship they are not aware then after you felt that there might be a pattern i would highly recommend see a counselor or psychotherapist and bring this journal along and explore them together okay yeah sometimes you need to see a professional help because they are very neutral right mm. and number two you could be find an objective friend to talk to to reach out to objective i guess for people who may not want spend the money or have the resources for a professional this could be helpful uh, to find an objective friend to to bring all this to yeah so when you talk about your friend right who is trying to warn you at the point of time mm. you know yeah so find an objective friend what do i mean by objective because they are also friends that who love you but they may be not in the right position to help you they if they say things like uh, why not you just stay and tolerate the relationship for your children or this is just part of your life. Maybe there are other people out there who's even worse than him or her. Yeah. 
So when these people say things like that, they are not objective. Find objective friends who are able to guide you in that manner. Okay, uh, so you have some sort of support. And the third would be, disengage any sort of fights. Do not be bait into quarrel. Mm. Because uh, these abusers will always bait you into quarrel or having fights because this is what they thrive in, that negative emotions to feel that they are in control. Because mm. once you get upset, they love that you get upset. When you get jealous, they get angry, they love it. You see, because, because of them, the cause is them, right? So disengage and create your personal boundaries. Okay, I think I think this one we can you know definitely talk about more and mm -hmm. do let us know in the comments if you you know because I always try to ask that we we should try mm -hmm. to keep this to like thirty minutes but do let us know if you want to talk about this more because I think what you just said this last point uh, is something that resonated as well like about people feeding off negative energy and mm -hmm. their personality types like narcissists and stuff like that that we can talk about a bit more yeah but I think in general yeah people who are a bit abusive they actually like the negative emotion. Like mm. you said, they thrive on it. It makes them feel alive. It makes them feel like they have a hold on you. Yeah. Right. So I, I think that is uh yeah pretty pretty important. So I think the the first step is maybe you have to keep a thought journal. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of times if you're in love, especially you know some of you mentioned like what if you're already blinded? I mean, mm. in the good times or in the non-quarreling times, you tell yourself it's not that bad. Because I've been there. I know how it feels. Like yeah 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 maybe he's just got a really bad temper. It's not that bad. Right, and then you stay. But then if you write it down and you revisit it, then it's a good place to realize that actually it is quite bad. This is happening and you put the day and time. It's happening like every other day, for example. And mm. then, or every time you call is is this bad. And I think yeah. also if you have a journal like that, it's good because then you can use that journal uh, as you seek professional help. I think it's mentioned like uh, said you you might already be isolated from friends and family by this point, which is true. So maybe at this point, like it's the, the it's worth uh, taking the time and the the uh, money to go and seek professional help. And with a journal, you'll probably move along a bit faster because the therapist can understand what's been going on already. And I I think after that, um, hopefully once you have the journal and you found support in professional help or a friend, you can plan your exit. Yes. Because I think no good honestly can come out of this. And uh, yeah, I myself made a very abrupt exit, you know, because after that night when my ex-partner like shook me and stuff like that, I I was very scared. So I actually like you, I, but mine is really from a place of survival, like uh, don't hit my face, please. <laughs> <laughs> right, I really thought he was going to hit me, but yeah, I tried not to um, aggravate it. So I just let mm -hmm. him like push me around and shake me, but I didn't retaliate. Because I think if I had retaliated at that point, with his temper, it might have gotten worse. But I just told myself, like, tomorrow I will leave. And it wasn't easy. I, I, it really, really wasn't easy. But I had the support of family and friends. And uh, I would have preferred to plan this out properly. You know, mm. so I think, I think what you're saying is it's, it's kind of good to plan and escape exit. But if you can't, then I would say try to just exit, but make sure you have support around you when you do that. Yeah. I totally agree on this. Uh, I like off buildings, right? There's a fire exit, even though they may not be a fire. But in this instance, plan for a exit. Uh, make sure that you contact your family or friends to help you in case you need to shift out. Uh, you yeah. don't need to execute the plan first, but you make sure you are planning this already, just in case yeah. when emergency falls, you go for it. Um, you know that you have somewhere to go. I think knowing that you have somewhere to go is very helpful. Because if you feel like you don't have anywhere to go, then it's even harder to take the step to leave. Yeah. 
um, like I said, Jade, because this is such a big topic, um, there will be other indicators like you know lack of freedom. The the manipulator or abuser can have also um, take away their financial support. So there are many different layers to it. So mm-hmm. we need to really go into, have exit plans, uh, start planning for it, see a therapist, or find an objective friend to help you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, gonna, like, we're going to end the session now, but like, okay. or soon. But please let us know, like, you know, if you want us to talk a bit more about this topic, like, I feel we should do a, a whole episode maybe on, like, for example, like narcissists, because I think it's really quite a problem, and I've met a few. And I actually have a few, I have a friend who I feel... Uh, is was in some weird situation with the narcissist and i would like to help her out as well mm. can i just take a few questions um okay. Stephen, maybe you can um yes. angel asks how to spot our blind spot <laughs> that is a very difficult question how to spot our blind spots in terms in the relationship i think I so guess. i think so i think i think maybe Stefan addressed it when he talked mm. about keeping a journal yeah right because sometimes when things happen so fast and we feel it and we go through it Right, and if you're generally an optimistic person, like he said, or generally a very forgiving person, then you, these are blind spots that you may miss. Yeah. If you write them down when you are feeling it most strongly at that time, it's a bit easier, but make sure you go back and do the work and read it again. And then I think when you read it, you will be able to spot certain patterns. And mm. like I said, if you manage to see a therapist and you let him or her read it, they will be able to help you to spot certain patterns as well. Yeah, I think in our last episode, we talked about the inner bullies and cognitive distortion. That would be an indicator of blind spots. Yeah, so we can refer to that material also. Yeah, please please go check that out. I think it's on both uh, Stefan and my uh, channels, so you can go look for that. I will take one last question. Mm. Uh, it's Sunshine says, can this apply to toxic in-laws? So that's a bit tricky, yeah, because <laughs> you kind of merit the person, but it you kind of stuck with the family as well. So, Stefan, what would you do in this case? Yes. Um, it, will, it can apply in all sorts of relationships, even friendships or in-laws. Um, first and foremost, like I said, disengage and create your own personal boundaries and recharge yeah. yourself with good resources around you. And uh, do not engage, as number one. Yeah, so um, make sure that you take care of your own well-being and recharge somewhere else. Because if you know that your in-laws are toxic, then cut down or minimize engagement time. Sometimes mm. they, they don't mean to be toxic, but this is just how, what, what they are like in, in relationships, right? And yeah. they cannot see it. So disengage and just don't be there. When you create a gap between you and the, the toxic person, the more the, the toxic person will come into your space. But when you keep reinforcing this gap, this distance, it, it will create a safety distance between you and the person. And this is the first step. Okay, thank you so much, Stefan. I think we're going to try and end it off here. But remember, uh, Stefan is the founder of the School of Positive Psychology. And I think the school offers a certain courses that might help you uh, with this and other psychological issues. Um, I would like to um, give, share a technique in positive psychology intervention, right? That first we teach people to learn and apply positive psychology to take charge of their lives, to become to have better well-being. So there's this uh, technique called the best version of yourself. Mm. So people who are watching this or you're in an abusive relationship, ask yourself this question. What is the best version? How will you look like the best version of yourself in the future? Yourself are not with anyone else. Yeah. How will you look like happier? How will you look like much more being more confident and much more independent in your own ways? So imagine from here to there, 
what the question, the next question would be, what is the first step you can take to make this possible? And this is a question mm. that I'll leave it with you. Yeah. Okay, that is definitely, <laughs> I'm going to go and do that homework, even though I like, am not in a, a emotionally abusive relationship now. I, I, th- I think that's a good exercise or a good uh, positive psychology intervention for anyone to take note of. Yeah. And uh, so at the School of Positive Psychology, we offer positive psychology training courses, counseling, so you can take to improve yourself and your relationships. So um, check it out. Uh, the website is www.positivesite. It's P-O-S-I-T-I-V-E, positive. Site is P-S-Y-C-H dot E-D-U dot L dot S-G. Okay, so go check it out for more uh, causes in that. And thank you so much for joining us and spending your Saturday afternoon with us. Uh, do let us know in the comments. Uh, this, is, this will also be on YouTube and Facebook, uh, so you can comment there as well. Uh, let us know what else you want us to talk about, any other issues. Uh, if you enjoy like this sort of relationship-based topics, uh, we're just trying to... Uh, it helps us as we try to think of what we want to talk about the next week. Yeah, and I want to say something quickly. Thank you, Jane, for um, being courageous to talk about this. You know, it means a lot because it's not easy to talk about this. <laughs> so thank you. I mean, honestly, it's been many years, but yeah, it, it really took a long time to be able to talk about this. But thank you. Thanks for coming. Yeah. <laughs> and I think like if, if we all start talking a bit more, uh, I think I think the first step is what you say it, it's not our fault. Yeah. So I think that took a while to kind of settle in and hence it makes it less uh, shameful to talk about because I, I realised it's not my fault. Yeah, it's not. Okay, thank you so okay. much, Stefan and thank you everyone else. Thank you everyone. Thanks for joining us. See you. Thank you. Bye-bye.